Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. It's so good to be here tonight celebrating uh, the birth of our Lord and Savior together, isn't it? And uh, I know it's a little treacherous out there uh, driving, so indeed be careful on the way home. Um, But it has been a long time coming for me to see a white Christmas. And so uh, excited about that. Just pray that everybody will be safe as they drive home. If you're joining us tonight uh, for the first time, uh, we have been in a series called Rediscover Christmas. And really, it's an Advent series, and the word Advent means uh, coming or arrival. And so over the last four weeks, we have been talking about various themes or character traits that uh, God possesses that he wants us also to possess Advent is a season uh, that links us to the past as well as to the future and has tremendous significance for us here in the present. And when we celebrate Advent, we are reflecting upon Christ's first coming and the hope that people had in anticipation of the coming of the promised one or the Messiah. And today, although Christ has already come, in a sense, we enter into that same hopefulness or anticipation because we too are hopeful and looking forward to eagerly for the return of Christ, where he comes to set up his kingdom and to reign forevermore. And each week during Advent, we focus on a different theme, uh, hope, peace, joy, and love. And this evening, I just want to take a few minutes to recap uh, our journey to rediscover Christmas. And so in week one, we took a look at hope. And we talked about finding hope in our uncertainties. Now, hope is a powerful thing. And most of you have experienced it in one uh, way or another throughout your life. Hope is what keeps us going when we feel like giving up. It's, it's, it's what helps us to endure the hardships and troubles of life, the, the heartache, the suffering, the pain, and sometimes even the injustice that we encounter in the world. It is the conviction that there is light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not an oncoming locomotive. It is something that allows us to believe that there is a purpose behind the trials that we go through in life. It sustains us and gives us a reason to go on. And in that first week, we talked about Simeon and Anna, who were two wonderful examples of hope. Now, they were nearing the end of their life. They were up there in years, and they had suffered a lot. They had gone through a lot. They had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. And most people probably at their stage in life would have given up a long time ago, but they didn't. What we see instead was that they were faithful in their hopefulness. They continued to hope against hope that one day the Messiah would come. And what is really interesting is God revealed to them that that this little baby Jesus, whom they were about to see, was in fact the Messiah, the Son of God. And so while in the temple, we read their stories of Simeon and Anna and, and what they said about this young boy and their hope 
at that moment was realized. And you know how they responded? They responded in worship. They responded by telling others the good news. And see, when you realize that the good news is truly good news, you can't keep it to yourself. You have to erupt in worship. So friends, this has been a tough year. It's been a really, really hard year for many of us. But Christmas is all about rediscovering hope. Christ came to restore our hope. The hope of salvation. The hope of reconciliation. Of uh, restoration and redemption. And we have a living hope in Christ. And one day, he will return to take us home. So my challenge to us this morning is, let us be more like Anna and Simeon going into the new year. May we always find reason to worship and to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ. In week two, we talked about peace, finding peace in our struggles. Now, in our day, we think of peace as merely the absence of conflict. But what we learned was that in Scripture, peace is so much more than that. Christ came to give us peace. In the Old Testament, there's a word that's used, and it's still used today. It's the word shalom. And it's used as a greeting and as a blessing. But that word means so much more than just the absence of conflict. It carries the idea of wholeness or completeness. And in the New Testament, there's a Greek word very similar to the word shalom, And it too carries this idea of deliverance, of wholeness, of inner rest and harmony and well-being. So with that in mind, listen to the words here of Luke in Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, most of us are familiar with the phrase, peace on earth, goodwill to men. That comes from a translation of the Bible, the King James Version. But in reality, God does not offer peace to everyone. And the other translations render this a little bit more accurately in saying that he, a peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. So the question is, who is God pleased with? Well, the writer of Hebrews gives us a clue. He says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, God is pleased with us when we believe the gospel, when we believe the good news that is preached to us. And what is that good news? Again, the Christmas story tells us a Savior has been born who is Christ the Lord. So you ask, why is that good news? Well, it's good news 
It's good news because we are sinners in need of a Savior. Now, that's not a, a, a thing we like to talk about these days. We talk about sin as making a mistake or a faux pas or, or just a lapse in judgment. But according to the Bible, sin is the ultimate act of treason against God. It is rebellion against his rightful rule and authority in our life. And when God created mankind and he placed them in the garden, he gave them one simple command, which they could not keep. And desiring to be like God themselves, they rebelled. And ever since that day, the entire human race has been thrown into sin. And as a result of sin, death has spread to all men and women. And the ultimate judgment is eternal separation from God for all eternity. Because God is so infinitely holy and just and righteous that he can't turn a blind eye to sin. In fact, Scripture tells us that he will by no means clear the guilty. He must punish sin. But the Scripture says that God is not only infinitely holy and righteous and just, but that he is also merciful and loving. And so on one hand, God has to punish sin. On the other hand, God delights to show mercy. So how do you solve that problem, that dilemma? God must punish, but he also loves us and wants us to be in relationship with him. And God solved that problem in a most amazing way. He solved it in the person of Jesus Christ. He sent his one and only son to this earth to die on the cross for our sins so that sin could be dealt with, justice could be served, and yet at the same time, God could extend mercy and grace to us and welcome us back into his forever family. The peace that Luke is speaking of here then is peace with God. And this peace is only available to those on whom God's favor rests. That is, to all who will turn from their sin and receive Christ as their Savior and Lord. Romans chapter 5, Paul tells us this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can be made complete and whole and be secure in the Father's love simply by bowing our knee to Christ and saying, God, I admit that I'm a sinner and I am in need of a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to be born and then to die for me. I invite you, Lord Jesus, into my heart and to forgive me of my sins and to make me like yourself. I would encourage you, if you have not yet invited Christ to be your Lord and Savior, there's no greater gift that you can give him tonight than yourself, than your life. I urge you, invite him into your life this evening. The third week, we spent talking about joy. And that was really fitting, finding joy in our discouragements. King David wrote in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
I love that verse. But sometimes I'm challenged by that verse. And the reason why is sometimes the night can seem so long. Sometimes the night turns into weeks and months and even years, and joy can seem so elusive. But as we rediscover Christmas, we find that joy defies our circumstances. And we saw this in the story of Elizabeth and Mary. For Elizabeth, joy was birthed out of barrenness. The joy of having a son in her old age erased the decades of sorrow and disgrace. For Mary, her joy was birthed out of confusion, misunderstanding, and disgrace. I mean, how do you explain to your fiancé, your family, and your friends that God is the father of the baby that you're carrying? But despite the scorn and the shame, Mary erupts in joy. And in Luke chapter 1, she says this, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So we need to understand when we talk about joy at Christmas time, you go back to that first Christmas story, you have to understand that it is against the backdrop of discouragement and disgrace and sorrow and shame that joy comes bursting forth. Mary and Elizabeth choose to rejoice. And we too can choose to rejoice. And when we do, we find that we have the strength to carry on. We find that the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's what enables us to move forward. Now for some of you, that may seem hard to believe. But as we rediscover Christmas, let us pour out our hearts to him this year. Let's be honest about where we are and what we're going through and what we need God to do in our lives. And let's watch him turn our weeping into joyful, joyful expressions of, of love. Week four, we talked about finding love in our differences. Just this past Sunday, Greg spoke on this. And we saw this from Joseph's love for Mary to God's love for humanity. It was on full display for us to see. And we saw how God gathered a diverse group of people, bringing them together, shepherds and angels, the lowly and the noble. We saw Jews and Gentiles. And ultimately, God was reconciling himself to the world and us to one another. What's amazing about this story is, is that for that to happen, Jesus had to cross racial cultural, political, and spiritual barriers for us to receive the good news. Scripture tells us that we love because he first loved us. That's how we know what love is. John tells us in his first epistle, he says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved 
us. We also ought to love one another. And it's my prayer that as we get ready to celebrate, celebrate Christmas in our homes, that we rediscover the love of Christ and allow his love to overwhelm us so that we might love one another even as Christ has loved us. Maybe that begins in your family. Maybe it's with a friend that you've lost touch with or a coworker or a neighbor. So let me ask you, who do you need to reach out to this Christmas to cross whatever barrier that may exist that they might know the love of Christ? That's what Christmas is all about. And tonight, as we end our Advent celebration, we end it the way that it concluded on that first Christmas, and that is by finding Christ in the world. Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago to save us from our sin and to transform a fallen world. And his arrival is described by Luke in Luke chapter 2. It says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. What a humble way for the King of Kings to enter our world. The Son of God had to become the Son of Man. Only by becoming truly human could he understand what it means to be human in its totality. He could understand it from afar, but to be human, to to live life as you and I live, to experience the joys, the heartaches, the pains, the sorrow that we experience enables him to sympathize with our weaknesses. And because he was a man, he could die in our place for our sin. But the scripture tells us that he never laid aside his deity. He was always God. He will always be God. But he became a man and he had two natures, both human and divine. But because he was God, his sacrifice on the cross would be of infinite value. More than sufficient to pay for the sins of the entire world. For everyone who has ever lived and everyone who will ever live. And because he is God, he has the power to take his life back up again. And break the chains of sin and death and overcome the grave. That is why he is our living hope. So friends, wherever you are in life during this crazy mixed up year, I want you to know Jesus is here for you. He is here for all of us and he offers eternal life to all who will come to him, to all who will turn from their sins and embrace him as Lord and Savior. He's just a prayer away. And one day, he will return 
to take us home to be with him. Where there will be no more COVID, no more cancer, no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain, no more suffering. Only inexpressible joy at being in the presence of our great God and Savior. Lord Jesus, come quickly, I pray. Amen.